Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. More than a pleasure to have joining us in this hour, the president of the California Teachers Association, a great organization. They do a wonderful job. I live in California. I have a seven and eight year old in our great educational system with great teachers and two of my best friends are teachers uh, for uh, this great organization. Uh, president Eric Hines was elected vice president in 2011 directly from his position as a member of the CTA board of directors and he served five years representing thousands of educators and education support professionals. President Hines also served on CTA's long-term strategic planning work group that recently developed a comprehensive strategy to move CTA forward around the goals of organizing, advocacy, community engagement, and social justice. More than a pleasure to have President of the California Teachers Association, Mr. Eric Hines, joining us. Uh, President Hines, thank you for joining us. Good afternoon and welcome. Oh, thank you. Great to be here. Uh, uh, Mr. Hines, let's talk about, we have talked about on the show uh, a number of times, the case before the Supreme Court, Friedrichs versus CTA, uh, and the case for uh, fair share. Um, I want to talk about what the Supreme Court is doing, and obviously or could do, and, and, and the Supreme Court case threatens to certainly make things worse and make things very unfair with regard to education. Uh, And and this obviously affects our children uh, negatively um, if, in fact, this becomes the Citizens United, if you will, uh, for education and for teachers. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that the the potential uh, of, of Friedrichs and the ruling could be uh, cause a lot of destabilization in a, in a system. It, it, the lawsuit actually uh, asked to overturn a law called Abood uh, that's been in place for 40 years and has worked really well and has brought stability and labor stability in, in states like California where there's collective bargaining and has, and has worked well. And there's been a lot of of law based on that and contracts based on that, all that would could possibly be called into question. Again, uh, first of all, Mr. Hines, do you find it more than coincidence that in an election year, um, this case, I think we can all agree, Friedrichs versus CTA, except maybe a few, uh, is about wealthy special interests that want to shift the balance of economic power in their favor, making it more difficult for working people to come together. Do you find that any coincidence that it's an election year that this is taking place, this case before the Supreme Court now? All you need to do is look at the money and the, and the organizations that are backing it. It's, it's not really about those those teachers that have filed suit. They're there in the name. But when you look at the places like the Center for Individual Rights, they have they're longstanding anti-union groups. And what their real agenda is uh, is to weaken the voice of educators uh, to advocate for students to weaken the voice of nurses, to advocate for patients, and, and you know, firefighters to work for safe, safer ways of fighting fires. Uh, it, it really is about, about weakening the voice of, vo- of uh, workers. And, well, yeah, certainly weakening, up, weakening the voice, because if you can't come together and you sp- can't speak up collectively, does this also, in, in your position um, as president, uh, d- does it make you look and say, well, 
how the, how do we expect to or how can we get ahead? Um, how can we create an environment, an economy that works uh, for everyone? How can we, um, as the union, and how can the teachers serve their communities in the best way possible and serve the interest of the parents and the children, these families, in the best way possible? Well, I can tell you the reason I got active in the union in the first place was because of what was happening in my classroom. I teach elementary, and the things that were that I was being asked to do under, for example, No Child Left Behind, I just I knew as a professional were just simply bad, just simply bad teaching. And what what it allowed me to do, what a union allows me to do, uh, was to stand up and to be able to to stand with my colleagues to to advocate for my students for something different without fear of unfair retaliation. Uh, and that, and that's, and that's the whole reason I got active was to make those changes to make the, you know education for the students that I thought better, and uh, um, that's that's what they're threatening, and I'm, uh, um, you know, CTA is going to continue to do that work. We're going to continue to push because that's that's kind of the main core of our of of our of who we are, uh, you know, as teachers and as educational support professionals and, and you know librarians and so on. Uh, we're going to continue to do that work, but these kinds of attacks are nothing new. Uh, it was fast-tracked. It's been phenomenal how quickly it made it to the Supreme Court. It took three years from the time it was filed. There were absolutely uh, no facts in the case that were presented. Um, I think Justice Breyer, I actually had the opportunity to sit in the Supreme Court and listen to the uh, oral arguments uh, last week. And uh, Justice Breyer, I think, nailed it on the head when he asked, uh, the the other attorney, the, the, the uh, their attorney, whether he, they, he was really asking them to ignore 40 years of precedent and 40 years of a law that's really worked, he said, or are you just asking us to do that because labor unions are involved? And that that pretty much lays it on the nails it on the head. Um, I I want to ask you. We only have a minute before the break. Um, and I think it's admirable why uh, you got involved, and I think it's great for people to see. Very briefly, ex- explain to folks listening why the future is at stake. I mean, educators in particular, like you said, you do and you will continue to fight to ensure that our schools remain strong, our students get the quality public education they deserve. But in a sentence um, or, you know, two, uh, you know, what is truly at stake so people understand who may not know the details of this case? Oh, you know what? We're going to actually, actually, President Hines, I don't want to interrupt you. I apologize. We have to take a break. I want you to be able to answer. I want people to hear what you have to say about this because this is essential. This is important. A lot of parents out there don't fully realize the scope of, of what this case means and could mean to their child. We'll be back right after this with our great guest. With you, your calls at 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. President of the California Teachers Association, Mr. Eric Hines, is with us. We'll be back after this. back with our guest, President of the California Teachers Association, Mr. Eric Hines. Mr. Hines, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Uh, before the break, um, I had asked for you to explain to folks um, what is at stake in the, in the future and how educators always fight to ensure that our schools remain strong and our students get the quality public education they deserve. But what could happen, God forbid, uh, the Supreme Court vote not for the people, but for, you know, big uh, corporate interest again? Well, you know what the what the law is asking is that uh, you know no teacher, first of all, is, or, you know are, are no 
no one is forced to join the union. That, that's illegal, and, and we certainly don't force anyone to join the union. But every teacher that is in a district that, that a union uh, represents is, is, uh, gets the benefits of the contracts that the unions uh, bargain. And so they get the benefits of the higher salaries and uh, the better benefits of the smaller class sizes. And more and more often, what, what unions are doing are working collaboratively with districts to help build a better learning environment for students. And this is all possible because of the stability that this law has brought. And what could possibly happen is it creates an environment where all of the underpinnings of that system now, which is based on this 40-year-old law or this 40-year-old case that was decided by the Supreme Court, uh, is, are called into question because of so much is based. Contracts are based on this. On this, uh, many contracts have you know this law based as part of their contracts. Uh, many of the recent law, many laws that have come to the Supreme Court have been decided based on this this uh, suit that they're now asking to overturn uh, Abood. And that creates a, a tremendous amount of instability uh, also within the union as well as as well as in the school district and doesn't allow the teachers that kind of balanced voice to really talk about what's best for students and really stand from, from a position of strength to talk about that. I mentioned Citizens United, and the Citizens United decision amplified the role of money in American politics. They promised something like a level playing field. Uh, They said corporations and unions uh, could spend what they like to support their favorite candidates. But when we look at the arguments uh, before the Supreme Court last week, um, the major challenge uh, in this specific case is to the public unions. Um, Do you feel that the arguments illuminated a gap in the Supreme Court's treatment of capital versus its treatment of labor? Well, you know, corporations outspend unions by, by, you know, ten, ten times, you know, more in in all those uh, things. When unions spend money, it's really about about you know small donors like myself on my teacher salary donating a little bit and putting that money together because it's really the only the only way we have collectively of making a difference and and. The, the you know corporate interests they can they can take money from their employees they can they can force employees to join PACs they can you know a lot of these big billionaires can just write checks you know for any amount they choose they don't have to ask anybody uh, to do that and that that represents a lot of power and, and Citizens United has certainly perverted the system and we can see that in our in the presidential process that's going on right now and and certainly on the Republican side uh, it's just it's just as made our system crazy. And so we have in California and in our schools and many in many some other states as well, uh, we have a system that's just that's worked. That's worked. And it's allowed teachers like myself uh, and many other teachers whose, whose main interest is, is the students because our working conditions are the, the conditions that the students learn in. And we want to, you know, we want to be able to speak up for our kids and, and, Ultimately, if we can't, for many of our students who are most vulnerable, nobody will speak up for them. You know, uh, President Hines, the court has allowed uh, workers to refuse finance unions' uh, political activities. So the unions aren't saying, hey, you know, help us out with this political candidate or piece of legislation. And like you said, it's illegal and nobody is forcing anyone to join a union. 
Um, and I, what I, I don't understand is the justices seem poised to widen that gap by allowing government workers to refuse to support unions' collective bargaining activities as well. But if they're not part of the union, not forced to be a part of the union, not forced to fork over any money toward uh, any political candidate or legislation, what should that matter um, to them? Because quite frankly, uh, the collective bargaining um, activities of the unions benefit these people even outside the union often. That's exactly right. And in fact, no one is forced to pay any political money they don't want to. Uh, even members, if they want to redirect the political portion of their of their dues, can do have the option to do that by filling out a card. Uh, you know, at the federal level, they are all done through for federal candidates. You know, that the union support through a democratic process, by the way, it's all voluntary. No dues money goes to support federal candidates at the federal level. Uh, it's it's. Anybody that doesn't believe in what the union does have two options. If, they, if they're a member, they can use the political, very open democratic process to try to convince others, which, you know, that's democracy. And, and, uh, or they can choose, you know, just not to participate. I mean, that, that, that was certainly their choice. Uh, but the, the, um, it, it helps bring a balance of power that's very seriously needed, and it gives the workers a voice in the political process that they otherwise won't have, that, that, that moneyed interests and corporate corporations have just by virtue of having as much money as they do. And now we're further going to see if the Supreme Court rules to actually overturn this. It would actually further shift the balance of power away from, from, working, from working Californians. And, and again, I mean, the Supreme Court even, you know, talks about the differing treatment between unions and corporations, and they say it's warranted. They say it's hard to change jobs. It's easy to sell shares. Shareholders can influence what corporations say. Um, but, you know, I, I just don't find this justification. You know what I mean? If you're going to – in other words, if you're going to, to, to use an argument uh, favoring – um, a corporation and demonizing a union, it's got to go both ways, and I don't see that. I don't feel the court's being consistent with its rulings um, across the board. That, that's, that's true, and also any any uh, fair share payer who chooses not to join the union still, uh, you know, what, if they're being asked to pay for the collective bargaining that they benefit from, so it's almost like they're, they're paying for a service that they receive, uh, they still have the option to speak out and do whatever they do. There's no infringement on their on their First Amendment rights, on their speech rights. They can speak out. They can go to a school board meeting and say, "I think this is wrong." What they're doing, you know, all of that is they, they, that currently exists, and there's nothing nothing to stop that. So I think a lot of the arguments that we heard from the other side are a perversion of the truth. Uh, there were times during the oral arguments uh, when they presented that, you know, I as a teacher just wanted to stand up and say that's wrong. You know, it's, 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 a, it's, it's that's incorrect and that's not the way it happened. And, uh, you know, if any of these teachers want not to support, they can absolutely just not support, and that already option already exists. And it's and very I- simple. I think it's terrible, uh, President Hines, when you have Supreme Court justices speaking untruths. Justice Anthony Kennedy in 1990 wrote in his dissent in the Austin versus Michigan Chamber of Commerce, quote, one need not become a member of a corporation, he said, in order to earn a living. Okay, maybe that wasn't a lie, but it was an, an inference to something that is not true. There's nobody holding a gun against somebody's head and nobody's saying you can't work unless you're part of a union. That's exactly correct. That's exactly correct, and and any teacher has that option, and they can they can you know do as they choose. 
Uh, I personally believe, and many of my colleagues across the state believe, that we have a stronger voice in advocating for our students and the kinds of, of um, workplace environments that actually impact our students uh, together. That as a, as a lone voice, we don't have. And we decide what those, what those issues are through a democratic process, uh, and we speak together as one voice, and, that's a, and that makes it a very strong voice, and I think that's why they want to take that voice away. They want to weaken that voice. Uh, and you can see examples all around the state of where unions are working together with districts, and it's why the state of California, the, the, the um, Solicitor General for the state of California, argued on our side that this actually benefits the people of California. The U.S. Uh, the United States Solicitor General argued on our side because they believe also that it was good for not just on the union side, but it's good for the management side to have that kind of stability, to have a clear person at the other side of the table that's strong and stable that they can talk with and collaborate with and work with. You know, when when, when I uh, read, uh, you know, different like the Columbia Law Review, um, when I read other experts, uh, Professor Sachs, who um, also uh, wrote an article in the Columbia Law Review, um, he, he doesn't feel this is something that goes before the Supreme Court. He feels this is something that could be a uh, con- congressional fix. Um, that there are already political opt-out rights and something like that could be done. My understanding is, A, like you said, they're not forced to join a union. B, they're not forced to pay for anything political. And any uh, dues or fees that are paid, they do get refunded if there's something political. So at the end of the day, I understand, you know, the First Amendment is something that they're saying is, is uh, you know, being uh, they're being robbed of, which I don't agree. But at the, at the end of the day, we're not talking about, you know, tons of money that it's going to come back to any of these individuals who are on the side um, of a corporations rather than being on the side of the unions and labor before the court, correct? Well, it's, it's, it's uh, approximately, you know, it, it gets changed every year because it depends on what actually is cost uh, chargeable for what they call chargeable for collective bargaining. It's around 60%, I think, of what uh, a full dues payer pays. Uh, they pay for things that uh, chargeable that actually enhance the profession, uh, that, that uh, make their job better. <laughs> you know, they, the, even if you're not a union member, you benefit from union work. And, and not just in the traditional uh, stuff like, you know, a better salary and, and protection from discrimination and a process where you can actually, you know, address, a, address an injustice or a grievance or things like that. You benefit from all of that. And the union has a, represent, has a duty under the law to represent you whether you're a member or not. And so, you know, basic fairness says you should pay for that, I mean, at the very least, for that part of it. And if you don't agree with the rest, great, don't join. You know that's 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 always an option. Uh, fortunately, uh, a lot of a lot of uh, educators in California. We represent uh, 325,000 of them from uh, uh, preschool through the graduate school. Uh, agree, and not not that we all are on the same. All you know, like any family, we all have uh, uh, you know agreements, but it's all decided through an open democratic process, and uh, and that's what gives us a strong, stable voice for advocacy. Did. did you know, what I don't understand is if 
you know, this is going to sound very, very simplistic, Mr. Hines, but I want to share it with you. Um, years ago, I was having a meeting, a, a brainstorming meeting with one of my bosses in the broadcasting industry. And the people mm-hmm. walked out of the room and he was frustrated. Everybody was fighting. And, uh, you know, he just shook his head and he looked at me and he goes, it's the bloody doily principle. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you walk in the room and you see this big, beautiful wedding cake. And he said, and then he goes, you always have, excuse me, one bonehead that says the doily's crooked. Now, sorry to call these people that are fighting this fight boneheads, but it is, in a sense, the doily principle when you look at it, which is, hey, you're not looking at what you will lose in benefits, and you're not looking at the bigger picture going forward for teachers, for students, uh, for the community. This is not just about dollars and cents. And quite quite frankly, I would imagine if things go their way, and we certainly hope that they do not with the ruling by the Supreme Court, I, I'm going to imagine there's going to be a lot of complaints from people who don't realize what they are supporting or have signed on for, if you will. Well, you know, you don't have to go very far to look at what the outcome of policies like this are. Look at what's happened in Wisconsin and what's happening in Michigan. Absolutely. Uh, and and that those are good examples of when you take away collective bargaining and you take away uh, a worker's right and you weaken their voice to speak together. That's the kind of chaos you get. And, you know, and you look at the Wisconsin education system and especially their, you know, their higher ed system, what they've done to the higher ed system. Uh, you can see it's not good for kids. It's not good for students. I mean, let alone the workers who work in the system, it's not good for the students. And that ultimately affects everything. And if you're a conservative, it affects the economy of our state because, you know, you have a we know that that having a good, strong public education system is is good for the economy because it, it places there's, there's not a mistake that, that Silicon Valley came and grew up in California. It didn't happen in in uh, Ohio or Oklahoma or places like that. It happened in California for a reason. And those are the kinds of things that we really are at risk of, of creating chaos that can change all of that. And we have already, like I said, we have examples of, of where it's already happened. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Hines, are you okay taking a, a call or two? Oh, absolutely. Okay, great. Let's go to line two in Arizona. James is joining us. James, good afternoon. Thank you for listening. Question or comment for our guest, President, hey, af- President Hines. Good afternoon. I appreciate you having this conversation. You know, here in Arizona, being it's a right-to-work state, um, you know, the laws kind of favor, I guess, those that don't want to be in a union, in essence. My question, or I'd love, what I'd like to hear a response from is, here we have, um, you know, a bunch of union houses where there's several employees that don't pay union dues. They continuously bring up issues that they want the union to defend them on. And they'll come straight out and they'll tell us, hey, you have to defend me regardless whether I pay my union dues or not. And, of course, you know, the law is on their side. I'm curious, do you know or is there any way that we can find a solution to this? I mean, writing a congressman, is there any help at all on our end, you know, to, I don't know, this is just a tough decision because obviously... The union wants to represent them, but they also would like to have their full support as far as paying union dues. And, and, you know, I mean, that makes the union stronger when they are an actual union member. You can please speak on that. Uh, uh, Yes, Mr. Hines. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to. I think that that at the very least, uh, if you have, you know, first of all, the the Friedrichs doesn't uh, change nor does it challenge the union. Uh, duty of fair representation to represent everybody who's covered under that contract. And at the very least, 
uh, whether if that person has a grievance that they need to deal with or an issue that they want to deal with, uh, you know, the union has to be there and, and should be there to help make it better for them and find a process to do that in a fair way that doesn't expose them to uh, discrimination and, and against unfair uh, retaliation or any of those things. Those are just basic rights of workers. However, if they don't want to join the union, that's great, but they should really pay for that service. And, and they shouldn't really get a free ride because that means if they're not paying for it, everyone else is picking up the tab for that. The, the cost of that doesn't go away. It doesn't get lessened by them being there. And uh, so at the very least, uh, they, should, they should pay for that. Uh, you know, that, that's my belief, and I think a lot of people believe that. However, the, uh, uh, you know, most of this is decided, and the, and the Supreme Court has left it up to the states to decide how they want to handle that as an employer. In, in the case of, of uh, you know, Friedrichs, we're talking about public public sector unions, and that means the government is the employer, in essence, and, and they can decide. So in states like California, where they've decided that, that it's, uh, it's good to have a stable, strong voice for workers at the table that can, that can work together and not always, you know, you don't always agree 100%, but, but that's, you have a process for dealing with that disagreement that's clear, but everybody should pay their fair share regardless of whether you believe in that or not. And, and working to change the, the, the political uh, uh, center in your state is really where it needs to, where it needs to happen. I have to tell you, uh, thank you for being with us. You were great. We'd love to have you back. You should do a lot of broadcasting, sir. You're very good as a guest. Uh, President of the California <laughs> Teachers. And I have to say, the funny thing is, do, do, do these people fighting realize that we also all pay taxes, whether or not we have children and whether or not we have children in public school or in school at all, right? Maybe they're older and they're grown. We all contribute. It does, uh, you know, it, it, it takes a, a community. And I agree with you. You have to pay for benefits. Um, you know, especially if you're receiving these benefits. Thank you, President Hines, Eric Hines, President of the California Teachers Association, has been our guest. Please follow them on Twitter at CA Teachers Associ- That's CA Teachers ASSOC, abbreviated for Association, and the website is CTA.org. Something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more like a closet. 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 An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space, space, space to hold all of Judy's striped boat neck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped right, right. boat neck sweaters. sweaters. The Container Store Alpha Sale is here with 30% off Alpha and installation. The Container Store, where space comes from. Hey you, are you ready? Grab your pack, grab your tent, grab your gear. Jump in. We're going on an adventure. In Arizona, there's so much to see, so much to experience. At GCU, adventure is never too far away. Offering over 200 academic programs with a Christian worldview and nestled in the heart of Phoenix, you can earn your degree in fewer than four years and explore everything Arizona has to offer. Find your purpose at GCU. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash azroadtrip.